Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Hi, everybody. It's Linda Gunner with Love Him, Love Them. You're going to get a very special treat tonight, uh, especially for those of you who have not already purchased the book, Choir of Angels. Who are you people that have not already bought the book? That's my question. Need to get this book, right? Giving Hope to a Nation by Empowering the Youth. Um, Angels is a celebration of family and the hope that binds us together. This book is, it will mess you up. You're going to find out tonight. So you can just sit and listen. Uh, if you have if you have the book, oh, look, that'd be so cute. If you have the book, turn to page 105 and you can follow along with us. Our hope is, is that if you don't have the book, you'll go to lovehimlovethem.org tonight or anywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon, on Books a Million. You can go anywhere. But we're going to share with you chapter 16 tonight. Now, listen, this might not make sense to you because you don't, you haven't read chapters 1 through 15 so you'll need to get you'll need to get the book to read that, um, but I can guarantee you with the topic we have tonight, you will be sitting on the edge of your seat. So here we go, chapter sixteen, Choir of Angels by Linda Gunner. Love him, love them, and the title is Christmas Eve with Jeremy. Starts off with Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go." and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. All right, you guys ready? I hope you already have your coffee. Sundays are always very busy days on mission trips to Haiti. There's usually a two to four hour drive to get to the church uh, from the guest house. And this particular Sunday was the day after the big wedding celebrating Kennel and Lisa with our team joining the reception to celebrate the newlyweds. Following the church service, we had a huge Christmas party scheduled at the Hope and Love Orphanage. We always brought Christmas joy bags, and I know I'm not supposed to stop, but look, if you haven't already made a Christmas joy bag, you need to go on our website and do that because that's how we provide Christmas. It's just a gallon bag and you fill it up with stuff, and that's what we deliver to all of our children in the schools and the orphanages and uh, everywhere. So please make a Christmas joy bag for us this year. Okay, we always, back to the story, we always uh, brought Christmas joy bags prepared by volunteers in America. See, that would be you. You would have been on the book. And then they'd make their way to Haiti where we would hand them out to children at the orphanages, schools, and churches supported by Love Him, Love Them in Haiti. It doesn't matter how many joy bags we bring to Haiti. We never have enough. We had the mission team preparing for the party at the orphanage, expecting once again that we would have more children than gifts because apparently the word had spread throughout the neighborhood about our team hosting a Christmas party at the orphanage. We were inside the orphanage setting up and the number of children waiting outside just continued to multiply. For every Christmas event we have in Haiti, the children from the orphanage or the school sing and perform for us a Christmas skit. I'm going to, I know I'm supposed to just read the book, but um, the my most favorite time that they did that was at our school at the Valley of Hope. I don't know if you're listening and you were on that mission trip, but <laughs> they came in on a donkey. <laughs> The donkey came walking into the church and I was like, oh, wow, that's Mary and Joseph on the real donkey. It was pretty good. OK, let's get back to the story. Um, so every Christmas event we have in heavy, the children from the orphanage put on a skit. It was always very entertaining highlight. And that day's Christmas party was no exception. We continued to prepare food, gifts, and we set up the sound system and the children continued to pour into the orphanage looking for seats. 
In the middle of all of that chaos, Wilno, our interpreter, pulled me aside and said, Mommy Linda, I really think you should go back to see Jeremy. I could barely hear him with all the noise of the children attending the party. I was like, what, Wilno? He said it again. This time he was speaking directly in my ear. I really think you should go back and talk to Jeremy again. I motioned for him to walk out on the back patio of the orphanage where it was a little bit quieter. Why do you say that, Wilno? I asked. He said, I've been thinking about it. And he was expecting you on Friday night. He knew you were coming. That's why he looked like he did. That's why he acted so normal. I was confused. And I said, Will, no, he wasn't normal. He was drunk. If, if he was trying to be so normal, why? Will, no, interrupted me. He said he was prepared. I just know it. He was hiding all of his voodoo. He didn't want you to know about the voodoo. You need to go back. You need to surprise him. I really think you need to go back. You need to go back now. Again, I was confused about Wilno's insistence, and I replied, Wilno, we are in the middle of a huge Christmas party. And besides that, it's Christmas Eve. I can't just leave here and show up at a voodoo priest's house. On top of that, we're still in trouble with Pastor Max O for going to all those places we weren't supposed to go on Friday night. Just forget it. Wilno was very persuasive and insistent. He said, go with Pastor Max O. Take him with you. When we walked back into the party, it almost seemed like I really wasn't needed there. Everything was chaotic, but the mission team was doing everything that needed to be done to make it all happen. I looked over and I saw Wilno. I motioned for him and for him to go tell Pastor Maxo what he told me. And he did. Pastor Maxo made his way through the crowd to me and said, Mommy Linda, do you want to go back and see Jeremy? And without another thought, it came out of my mouth and I said, Yeah, sure. Let's go. Pastor Maxo and I left the orphanage and hopped in his truck. However, Wilno was not with us. I told Maxo, I was like, I really don't think I can find the place. It was so dark when we went before. I said, do you know where you're going? And he replied, very unworried. He said, no. I was a little confused. I said, how in the world are we going to find where we're going if we don't know where we're going? Pastor Maxo did not even hesitate. He answered back, don't worry, Mommy Linda. The Holy Spirit will show us where to go. <laughs> Less than 15 minutes later, we were pulling into the dilapidated, broken-down cement building that Jeremy called home. And as we pulled in, Pastor Maxo said, I want you to watch what I'm going to do. He turned the truck around and backed it in. Apparently, having had experience with similar situations, he looked at me and said, Mommy Linda, when you come to these situations where the person may want to kill you before you leave, you want to make it easy so you can jump in the truck and leave quickly. I was just laughing my head off. I shook my head and I jumped out of the truck. What a way to spend a Christmas Eve. As we started to walk up the short hill through the broken landscape and pieces of cement, we saw Jeremy sitting on a small preschool-sized chair. If you have the book, you can see actually the picture of him sitting there. He was eating a plate of rice and beans, and he looked up and saw me, and immediately he put his foot down and came running toward me. He had on a purple voodoo outfit and what looked like powder all over his face. Mommy Linda, how are you? Who is this with you? I wasn't sure how to respond. He acted like we'd been friends since first grade. 
I introduced him to Pastor Maxo, and I think he had forgotten that he was completely dressed in his voodoo garb. There were several children there, along with their mothers, and I learned later it was common to bring your children between Christmas Eve and New Year's Day to receive a devil shower, otherwise known as a Haitian good luck bath. So that explained why the kids were there. Jeremy had chairs brought over for us, and we sat down. I asked him, why didn't you show up for your daughter's wedding the day before? And he had no answer. I told him I was very disappointed in him that he hadn't come. As I began telling him what a beautiful ceremony it was, I pulled out my phone to show the pictures. He kept looking at the pictures and saying how nice everything looked. And then I asked, do you realize that because you weren't there for your daughter's wedding, my husband had to take your place to give your daughter away? I showed him the picture of my husband walking his daughter down the steps That picture's in this book, too. I was just about to continue scolding him for not being there, but I realized the moment he laid his eyes on my husband taking his place, he completely broke down. And to my surprise, he was actually crying. A voodoo priest, a hard-hearted voodoo priest was crying. And before I could speak the words, you should have been there, he said, I should have been there. I paused for a moment to take in the grief on Jeremy's face. And I said, Jeremy, the reason I came back tonight was the same reason I came the other night. It has nothing to do with bribery. It's not about the deal for me to pay for your daughter's wedding. You should know by now. You should know that by now because the wedding was yesterday. I already did what I promised. All I really wanted was the opportunity to present Jesus Christ to you. Well, and I curiously wanted to know, why are you performing voodoo? Not fully understanding, he replied, I told you I would do whatever you wanted me to do the other night so my daughter could have her wedding. And again, I responded, I don't want you to do anything because I want you to do it. I want you to change your life. Look around you. This place is horrible. Why in the world would you continue to live this way? I mean, I could understand if you were living in a beautiful house or if you had nicer belongings or really any reason. I don't see any reason why you would want to continue to do what you do practicing voodoo. I can't figure it out. He looked at me and said, Linda, I know Jesus. I know the Bible. But I can't surrender my life to him. Questioning, I asked, why not? All of this was being partially translated by Maxo because my Creole was still a little shaky. And Jeremy answered, because voodoo is how I make my living. And if I surrender my life to Jesus today, how am I going to eat tomorrow? When sharing the gospel in a third world country like Haiti, this question had become unsurprisingly common. Will your God put food in my belly? Will your God put a roof over my head? My answer to Jeremy was the same as my answer to everyone else in Haiti. And I replied, Jeremy, you really don't think God can provide for you, do you? God sent me here to tell you that he can provide. God can provide through me. And if my question is, if you could start any other business in the world tomorrow, what would it be? He paused for a second. 
And then he thought, and then he responded, well, I'd really be pretty good at selling liquor. <laughs> I already, I already have a great customer base for that. And many people will buy from me. I just busted out laughing. I don't think that would be an amazing business for you to be in. Let's talk about faith and how God does provide. Because if the only reason you are on Satan's team is because of how you think Satan is providing for you, and then Pastor Maxo interrupted me, and in Creole spoke directly with Jeremy for five minutes without pause. And when those men finished speaking, and with a nod from Pastor Maxo, I asked again if Jeremy was ready to give his life to Christ. I asked if he was ready to see what God could do. Jeremy took off the voodoo hat. He got out of his chair. He dropped to his knees on the concrete. He bowed his head, and he raised his hands to heaven, and he prayed on his own with neither Maxo nor I leading him. He then began to strip off his clothes all the way down to his underwear. He was singing and stripping off everything that clothed and adorned his body related to voodoo. He was singing and crying and praying. It was the most unbelievable and glorious experience I've ever seen. And about 30 minutes of Jeremy's praises to God, he stood up and immediately he led his voodoo assistant who had been right by his side practicing voodoo for 15 years to salvation through Jesus Christ. The next thing I knew, his assistant was on his knees praying and worshiping God. And Jeremy told his assistant, if they could worship Satan together, they really needed to take this next step together to worship Jesus. I couldn't believe it. In America, most people end up taking three or four months of discipleship classes before they're willing to share the gospel. And it took Jeremy three minutes Jeremy guided Pastor Maxo and me over to another section of the house where there were two rooms completely full of voodoo paraphernalia that were previously used for their spells and their curses. Maxo said, all of this has to go. And we started cleaning out the room. We started a fire and we just kept piling all of this stuff on the fire. Those little kids, the ones who were originally there for the devil showers, they started helping us. And as we made multiple trips, taking all the skulls and the crosses and the spices, and I don't even know what half of it was, over to the fire where we watched it burn, it took 25 of us, 25 people, almost an hour to clean out everything. And as we watched the fire burn, two of the mothers who were there for their children's devil showers from Jeremy, they said if Jesus was good enough for Jeremy to change... They both wanted Jesus. So while we were praying and while these two women, with these two women, Jeremy received a phone call from someone who wanted voodoo services. He sang and shouted on the phone and told them he had something better now and he would no longer be available to help the customer on the phone with voodoo. I was witnessing this complete transformation before my eyes. And as the fire continued to burn, we went back to the two empty rooms that had previously housed the voodoo materials needed to perform the curses and the spells. They were horrible. They were filling, filled with an indescribable feeling of an eerie evil. I really don't even know how to fully communicate it. it they were dark. It was moldy. There were roaches crawling on the wall. It was wet. It was just nasty. We prayed over the rooms and ask God to completely cleanse them. And when we finished praying in the second room, a white 
dove flew in the opening of the door. The sound of its wings flying scared me to death. (laughs) I thought it was something coming in. And when I saw what it was, I was overwhelmed. The presence of the Holy Spirit was there with us. It was an evening that will be with me forever. Back to business. Pastor Maxo said we needed to get back to our Christmas party at the orphanage. He told Jeremy that we would return the next day to discuss what we could do to help him move forward. Maxo told me to give Jeremy some money so that he could have food for Christmas Day. And with this thick Haitian accent, he said to me, Mommy Linda, the gospel is free, but evangelism, it costs money. And with a laugh, I gave Jeremy money with which to buy his Christmas dinner. And with hugs all around, we said our goodbyes. The party was winding down when we returned to the orphanage, and the whole team asked where we had been. I don't know if I talk about this in the next part, so I want to just say this page. On page 113, if you have the book, you can look there. You can literally see the fire that was burning, and you can see the demon that was burning up out of the fire when we were throwing the things on it. There's a big, there's a uh, highlight of it on there. I'm showing some of the people that are in the room with me now. And you can also see Jeremy on his knees, but that demonic force that is in that fire that is burning out is, is really, really unbelievable. Until we returned to the guest house for the night and shared the story, everyone wanted to go back with us the next day to meet Jeremy So that's exactly what we did. (laughs) The group of us piled into the cattle truck and we were off to see Jeremy. During the drive, a part of me was very hesitant and I kept thinking, what if all of that was an act? What if we pull up and he's not there? Or worse, what if we arrive and he's in the middle of a voodoo ceremony? Rather than allowing this uncertainty to take over, I directed my attention back to the mission team and my thoughts back to the joyful anticipation of seeing Jeremy again today. When we arrived today, Maxo pulled straight in, saying to the other, to the rest of the confusion of the, of the mission team, he felt that we were safe now and that no one would try to kill us. <laughs> With a laugh, I thanked him for that assurance. Everyone was so excited and climbed up that broken concrete to get to where Jeremy and his quote-unquote wife were. Some of the women and the children were still there from the night before. Jeremy looked like a completely different man. I have a picture in here in the book of him before uh, he gave his life to the Lord with me and a picture of him after he gave his life to the Lord. It's really, truly unbelievable. No alcohol had touched his lips since we saw him the night before, and he wasn't in his voodoo ceremony outfit. He just looked radiant. We sat and we talked about his future. We offered him a business opportunity, uh, which, by the way, was not alcohol. (laughs) And we also suggested that he changed his playground, move to a different home in a different community because he was too well known in the area where he resided and everyone would continue to come there for his services. We also spent some time counseling with him and we learned that the lady he was calling his wife was not actually his wife. We learned that he had children with over 14 women, possibly more. And after explaining that if he was going to cohabitate, he needed to commit himself to one woman 
only and get married. And so he did. The woman he married wasn't the one he was living with in his current home. We went and met with the woman Jeremy wanted to marry. She was a voodoo princess who had also practiced voodoo. And Jeremy told her that he wanted to marry her to her great excitement. It was Christmas Day, and Pastor Maxo was due to pastor at our church in a nearby town called Daco, a church that was newly constructed through the support of Love Him, Love Them Ministry. All of us, including Maxo, myself, and the mission team, Jeremy, and his intended, set off for church. During this service, Maxo brought Jeremy up to the front of the church and introduced him to the entire congregation and told Jeremy's entire story. Maxo explained that Jeremy would be moving to the area and he wanted everyone in the church to hold Jeremy accountable. I couldn't believe it. And then at the end of the service, Maxo presented the gospel and the woman who came with Jeremy surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. It was an overwhelming experience. I just want to take a side note here. I can't believe I didn't put this in the book. But can you imagine going to church this Sunday after, <laughs> after let's just say, oh, I don't know, you were committing adultery. And uh, the pastor that led you to the Lord brought you up in front of the church and said, I just want to make sure if y'all see him talking with any women, he's, he's an adulterer. Um, I just want you guys to hold him accountable. I mean, we would, if we were in America, we wouldn't even come back to church. But everybody at that church knew that uh, if they saw anything about voodoo, with Jeremy to hold him accountable. Uh, and I don't know if this is in the book either because um, some, so much has happened since then, but Jeremy is now uh, one of the leaders in that church and is involved in every single thing that happens there. Anyways, back to page 115. The next day when we went back to the place where Jeremy's intended was living, and just as we had done with Jeremy, we explained to her that all of her voodoo paraphernalia would have to go. She had a room set up that was just as horribly dark and dreary as Jeremy's, and we began cleaning it out. And there's pictures of the room here and all of the stuff that we took out of it. These pictures are amazing. Uh, We began cleaning it out. Her 13-year-old daughter was helping us. And as we were sweeping out the last of the liquor bottles, her daughter asked if she could make Jesus the Lord of her life. So standing in the room where her mom had performed countless voodoo spells just a few days earlier, she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. Standing in a room that held so much evil, we were now basking in the Lord's glory and light. It was unbelievable. Over the coming days, we counseled Jeremy and his intended, sharing with them what a godly marriage looked like. And after a lot of consideration, they broke off their engagement. We moved on to the next woman Jeremy had on his list of 14. It took us about three months total, but we moved Jeremy to a new home. Jeremy continued to attend church, the church in Daco, and still attends services there to this day. The second woman he chose ended up becoming his bride. They had a beautiful wedding at the church and their newfound church family. This is not the ending to this story I would have ever imagined. But God had such different plans. Where I could only see evil, God had plans to turn it into good. God taught me a very important lesson in that season. 
about what it is to boast in the hope of the glory of God. You know, under my own power, Jeremy was as good as dead. Christ dies for the ungodly, and that included the voodoo-practicing, curse-wielding, spell-casting Jeremy. But as we are reminded in Romans 6, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ladies and gentlemen, that is just one of the unbelievable, miraculous stories in the choir of angels. Jeremy and I, when I go to Haiti, Jeremy is one of the very first people I want to see. I love him so much. And yet for those of you who know the story or who have read the book, my intentions when I went back to Haiti was to find Jeremy and to destroy his life the way he destroyed my life for over three years while we were on tour with the Haitian Orphan Children's Choir. I wonder right now, who is it in your life that is destroying your life? Is it your husband? Is it one of your children? Is it someone who called, said they were a friend that has betrayed you? Is it someone as bad as the situation I was in with Jeremy who had placed curses and spells on my life? Who is it? Because I want you to know I had the same feelings that you have, those feelings of the flesh where you want to destroy them back, where we want to return evil for evil. But I want you to just remember this chapter in this book of how God changed my heart and my life. And through that, I want you to think about all of the, the, all of the people's lives, just, just even those children. And when you look in this book and you see the pictures of those children, they were happier than they could have ever been that Mommy Linda showed up when she showed up. But you know what they were happiest about is that I showed up in love because I could have cursed back evil for evil. I could have taken the vengeance on my own. And you know what? He would have. He would still to this day be performing voodoo. He would still to this day be taking in children and, and cursing them and doing spells. And I wonder if that could be the same in your situation. Is it possible that you could pray today that God's will be done in the situation of the person who is causing you harm? Is it possible that you would have or someone else may have the opportunity to share the gospel with that person and instead of them continuing to perform evil not only on your life, that you could change the trajectory of their future today? I'm here to tell you it is possible. I'm here to share with you that there is a way to give hope. I'm here to share with you that you can transform lives. God can use you as an instrument to change the trajectory of other people's lives for the future. The Bible actually says he's searching. He's searching for a heart that is turned toward him that he can use. So my prayer for you today is if you need to get the book and read that chapter again, read it. You should see what leads up to that. God can change your heart and he wants to change your heart. And then look what happened with Jeremy. Jeremy led his assistant. Jeremy led uh, one of his baby's mothers. And Jeremy is continuing to lead others to the Lord. You know, there's nobody better that, to get to, to, uh, to share the gospel than someone who had such an amazing experience sharing evil. It's like taking someone out of Satan's kingdom and placing him in God's. 
Thank you guys for allowing me to read that to you tonight. Be sure that you get your copy of Choir of Angels because our goal for you is that you will learn how to love Him and love them. Good night.